getting you through your workday one hour at a time. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Rugby talk now, and there is a lot going on. There is a lot going on. I was almost tempted to get Tony Johnson to come into studio and co-host with me for a couple of hours because there is a lot going on in the world of rugby. Of course, the Rugby World Cup and a full round of MPC this weekend as well. Just waiting for his line to come through. Um, Auckland Northland tomorrow. Uh, Waikato Canterbury, big game at 2 o'clock in Hamilton. Waikato Firmish underdogs, 290. Uh, Canterbury at 142. Wellington, uh, shield defence against the team. They took it off. That's 2 o'clock as well. Wellington, Hawks Bay. Taranaki, North Harbour. And rightly, the match, uh, actually, no, Sunday, Otago Counties, Manukau, um, at Otago, uh, and Southland and Manawatu will round out uh, the end of storm week for Bay of Plenty, actually. Um, so, yeah, NPC World Cup. Really want to talk to TJ about Australia too. His take on that. I think he's there now. Tony Johnson from Sky Sport. TJ, I, I shouldn't, but I really want your take on the Wallabies' demise. And as New Zealand rugby fans, I mentioned it straight after the result. While it's some people find it funny, some people find it embarrassing. I see it as concerning because we play Australia the most often. Yeah, that, that's right, and I suppose it's normal in a World Cup year for the air to be sick with it. They call it, was it Schadenfreude, <laughs> where you take great delight out of the suffering of others, mm. and we've seen it directed towards the All Blacks by certain people in, in the UK, particularly some of their uh, you know, very uh, acerbic media types, um, and I guess there's always a bit of a temptation to feel that way when Australia... A suffering misfortune, but I think it's it's deeply concerning for rugby in this part of the world, and uh, you know we we are going to have to work together with the Australians to try and find some solutions. I, I, I don't think um, the, what they're proposing at the moment is the answer, but with that you know that's a discussion for another day. But mate, I think you know it's very easy to pin this all on Eddie Jones, mm. and I think it, it's a it's a massive factor in it, but also uh, this is symptomatic of a decline that I think probably started back in the days of the John O'Neill era when he tried to build the game from the top down. They neglected uh, the game further down. They gave up on the idea of a, an NPC-type competition. Um, you know, there have been a number of things. They've, they've been guilty of, you know, they've had three knobs of butter and they've tried to spread them over five pieces of toast with their <laughs> super rugby teams. I mean, it's it's clearly obvious now that they cannot sustain five teams and have a meaningful level of competition. So I think there's a whole bunch of issues that they're going to have to confront. Whether they're capable when you've got such an egomaniac as Hamish McLennan running the game over there, uh, I'm not quite sure, but I think they're going to have to 
Uh, I, I just get a feeling that the you know the, the, the state unions are, are going to get together this, and I think the first thing they've got to do is get rid of McLennan because I don't think they're going anywhere with a bomb, such a bombastic man at the head. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, the decision to appoint Eddie Jones, well, it was always going to be a risk, staff, and, mm. and it was about timing. I mean, you, you, ideally, you want Eddie Jones for long enough for him to be able to perhaps work a bit of magic with the team, but not so long that he starts driving everyone crazy. But in the end, it's been a disaster because what he did is he went in there and what Dave Rennie had been working towards, he just dismantled the whole thing. He's made some ridiculous decisions over his selections. There's, you know, clearly no clear game plan at all. And in, in the meantime, he's just a, a, annoyed or created hostility with his manner with the very people that he needs on his side. So disastrous decision to appoint Eddie Jones in, in hindsight, I guess. But the, the problems run a lot deeper than that, and they're going to have to face up to it. We've got a tongue-in-cheek text just come into the show, TJ, saying you could replace Eddie Jones with Ian Foster, uh, New Zealand rugby building from the top down instead of um, the bottom up. Um, That's a sentiment held by a lot of New Zealanders, that the whole focus is on All Blacks, is on World Cups to the detriment of our layers underneath. Yeah, and and that was a call they made back in the early 2000s when there was a big shake-up following the the, uh, the loss of the sub-hosting rights for the 2003 Rugby World Cup. And it, it caused some upheaval and, and, and some much-needed change. And I think New Zealand emerged stronger out of it. But out of that did come a determination that the number one priority was to make the All Blacks the best team in the world because everything would flow down from there in terms of revenue, in terms of uh, profile, sponsorship, all of those things, that it was imperative that the All Blacks were successful. But I think too much has been sacrificed on the altar of All Black success over the years. I mean, the obvious, screamingly obvious is the NPC, but also, you know, Super Rugby, when, when, when elite All Blacks were allowed to swan off on a, a sabbatical for a year or, you know, they have to take time out to manage their workloads, you know, at the expense of the success of their Super Rugby team. So, you know, I, I think New Zealand has to be careful. I think there are some definite warning signs in what's happening in Australia. Uh, you know, the thing is, we have got, we produce more talent. We, we've got lots of good players coming through. But I, I do think the time has come when we have to have a look at, and you know, take seriously these recommendations about the governance of the game in New Zealand. They've got to try and work out a system where, Schoolboy rugby actually becomes part of the system, not a, not a, a you know, just a, a, another universe. All sorts of things, um, because we don't want to be going down the same path of Australia. Uh, it, it, you know, that, that's a massive challenge. Um, the, 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 you know, we can take maybe some, some lessons there, but in terms of Australia, getting out of the losing at, at this stage of the World Cup is just disastrous for the game in Australia. Um. Are they, like I agree with everything you say, and that review really did say that the structure of New Zealand rugby is not um, constructed, not um, not the right personnel to run such a big organisation with so many lofty ambitions. Um, NPC's not fit for purpose. Uh, Mark Robinson said that himself. Do well, you feel yeah. like we'll see enough changes there, the wherewithal within the organisation, within the four walls, to actually act and make some hard decisions? Well, you know, there's the old line about turkeys voting for Christmas has been trotted out a bit, you know, that the, 
provincial unions, you know, are they prepared to vote for something that might actually see them go out of existence? I, I don't know, mate. Uh, you know, but I, th- I think that there has to be a coming together of all of the interested parties in New Zealand rugby. And I think they've all got to sit down. And I'm not talking about, the, you know, the provincial unions at the moment have obviously have a great deal of say, but I, I, I think they need to have some sort of, you know, you think back to those uh, things that David Longy did when he first came in, where mm. he had those big symposiums or, you know, I can't remember what the hell they called them, but they got everyone to get all the interested parties, you know, put them in a room and just try and sort of find some solutions, uh, you know, just to avoid what's going on in Australia. Because, you know, the warning signs are there. But, um, you know, as I say, that, that's, I suppose, the, the discussion for another day. But, but uh, it, you know, the warning signs are, are, are definitely there. And look, I, I to be quite honest, um, I don't take any sense of satisfaction from what's happened in Australia at, at this World Cup because I can see the bigger picture. Mm. I know some people, you know, we enjoy seeing the Aussies suffer, but we've got to think about the game as a whole, and, and this does it no good whatsoever. Antoine Dupont, earmarked as the best player in the world. He's got a busted face, he's going to wear a mask, don't know when we'll see him back. Um, the reality is he would be a loss if, he, if we didn't see him again, but it does look like we're going to see him again. Well, yeah, I mean, just how he's able to function, uh, that remains to be seen. It just shows how important he is. And in some ways, they're just showing the world a little bit of a, maybe just a little bit of a chink in their armour, that this guy is so important. Uh, And look, I know we know Richie McCall played in the World Cup with a broken foot um, and was in great pain. This is, you know, something a little bit different when you've just had surgery on a, a facial fracture but when you think that they lost uh, Intermac and, and Danton, um, the, the, the two key guys outside him, you know, they clearly don't want to lose another of their most important players because that would, I think, you know, as much as they've got good players to come into his place, no one who can influence the game like he does. Um, and, and it, you know, if they were able to go through and win the World Cup without him, it would be at least on par with what the All Blacks did without Dan Carter if not greater, because I think I think um, his influence on the French team is probably even greater, it's just in terms of you know what he's got around him, and uh, perhaps arguably even greater than the influence that Dan Carter had on the All Blacks. Um, the Italian team, the Italian game, All Blacks Argentina. You've been calling international rugby for a long, long time, TJ. Um, you're probably better placed than most to talk about Italy, horrible record against New Zealand, everyone's saying they're much better now um, but Daniel McCarty made the point, I think they've won one Six Nations game in their last 41, never beaten New Zealand, are they Are they a threat? Well you know, I think we've sort of convinced ourselves that they are um, because they're an improving side there's, there's two reasons why they're an improved side one is that they've got a coach, Kieran Crowley who's not interested in going out there and da- damage limitation. He really is trying to win games, which sets him aside from a lot of, you know, quite illustrious coaches who've coached Italy over the years, where it was more important not to get flogged mm. than it was to try and win the game and risk, you know, running, having a big score run up against you. So that's important. Also, they've got a couple of players in there, and I think uh, Ange Caputo, the, uh, the, the, well, he's playing on the wing. I, I really like him at fullback. He, he is a fantastic player. And he's the sort of guy with these mesmerising runs that he can make that can really spark a team. So 
they're not to be taken lightly at all. They, I think they, you know, of all the times that New Zealand has played Italy, this would be probably the best Italian team that they will have played. And they had, I think, one pretty unconvincing World Cup performance against them uh, going back, I think it was at 1999. I can't, I think it's way back then. But then, you know, it's, I just I was thinking about this game earlier on today when I was just tossing up a few ideas about what we're going to talk about. And I just came to think, there's no way in the world the All Blacks should lose to these guys. No way whatsoever. That, that they should lose to Italy in, in, at this stage of the World Cup. Mm, I, I'm with you. Um, I want to share with you the sentiments that have come through the station today. Um, you can talk about the ones you want to or don't want to. Um, Bowden Barrett continually being picked at 15 and the New Zealand's been screaming for Will Jordan at 15. No, Lester Fionuku is um, one that's uh, a talking point. And a big one is Dalton Papali'i at seven and Sam Kane on the bench. If Sam Kane's fit enough to be a reserve, he should be fit enough to start. And where is Ethan Blackadder? Well, Ethan Blackadder uh, was a call-up, so I, I wouldn't have expected to go into a game like this. So I think he'll get his chance in one of the in, you know remaining pool match where he, he will get an opportunity, or the last pool match where he, he will, I'm sure, get an opportunity to stake his claim. But not, can't, there's no way they're going to catapult him over the top of someone else for a, a game like this, uh, that that sort of would tell the team, oh, we think we picked the wrong guy in the first place or something like that. I don't know. Um, I, yeah, I think Whanga Anuku, um, I, I, I can understand the appeal of a back three of Jordan, uh, Chilea on the right wing, which is really his preferred wing, and Whanga Anuku on the left because he just brings such a, a power game. Hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not... Look, Bowden Barrett, I can understand why they're sticking with him um, because, you know, his ability to read the game uh, for a start. Jordan, at, at the moment, I just think, you know, the way he got himself yellow-carded, I think, I was wondering, was I just a little bit worried about one or two, his judgment calls, something like that? I don't know. I, I would, would not be surprised if, if, if they did give him a run at fullback in the in the last pool match just just to, you know, to see how it works out. Um but I, I'm not surprised that they've done uh, what they have done. And it's a much stronger-looking all-black team. Mm. This, this one, obviously, you've got uh, Geordie Barrett coming back into it in the midfield. Lomax, Frizzell, Kane, all in the in the 23. Um, the interesting ones for me uh, is, that obviously, uh, Cam Roygaard on, and D-Mac on the bench. I think that's great. That's, you know, just some real impact there. Uh, and you've always got to balance impact and contingency, you know, it's all very well having players to come on and make an impact role, but what if they need it after someone gets injured 12 minutes into the game? Um, you've got to weigh that up. Uh, Tamasoni Taukiaho appears to have dropped down yes. uh, the pecking order a bit. Uh, I would imagine that they're just saying, look, line-outs at the moment, line-out accuracy, a premium, and Italy haven't got a bad line-out, so that's a greater priority than ball-carrying, so he misses out. And also Sam Whitelock going to the bench as well, and you can see why, I guess. Uh, Barrett's been New Zealand's best player. That's Scott Barrett. And, and Ritalik, I think, just brings that, that physical edge. But, you uh, you know, you'd still want to have Sam Whitelock in the mix, in, in, well, in my opinion, anyway. Do, do you feel like this, it sounds like all the All Blacks are fit for selection. Is this in Ian Foster's mind, not the public's mind, is this Ian Foster's mind the best 23? 
Uh, no, I think his best 23, uh, he's probably got Sam Kane starting mm. at, at number seven. And I know that'll probably raise a few hackles. I, I, I don't sort of buy this. Um, a lot of people are critical of, of, of Sam Kane. He's a bit of a lightning rod for people who aren't happy, um, yeah. you know, how things are going with the All Blacks. But all I know is from talking to players and coaches around the country, just how much regard he has held in by the guys who actually play with him and against him or coach with him and against him. And, and to me, that's that's the measure, yeah. um, you know, his presence on the field. So, uh, you know, as I say, it's a bit of a, a whipping boy, if you like, and, and um, but but he is a better player than I think some people are prepared to give him credit for. And I'll, I'll stick my neck out. I don't care if people criticise me for saying that. I honestly, but that's how I honestly feel about the guy. I'm the same. I've never actually poo-pooed him. I always feel a little bit more secure when Sam Kane's on the field. I just think the defensive qualities, the organisation skills, and well, and you're right. I've spoken to players that play with him as well, and just say you've got no idea how important he is. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, he, he misses one tackle and, and suddenly it becomes the, the you know, hours of, of debate about it. But mm. when he, he hits, he hits as hard into the tackle as anyone in that team. That, that's the thing you, you hear. You know, one is his presence on the field, that he is a genuine leader. And two is that he, man, he, whether he's got the ball or he hasn't got it, he hits hard. So, mm. Yeah, um, if, if people think that this is a sign of change, well, then I'd think again. It's just a matter of uh, easing him back in after he's been out with a with a back injury. Um, you know, when when he picks his strongest team, Sam Kane will be wearing the number seven jersey. I'm going to cherry pick a couple of NPC games. Waikato grimly holding on to a playoff spot. Uh, they get to host, but it is Canterbury that they host. They've been. They were hit hard early season, Waikato, with injuries. They've plucked out one of Manawatu's finest and Aaron Cruden to go and right the ship. Um, can you see Waikato upsetting Canterbury? Well, if I haven't seen the team yet. Um, I've seen, I think the Canterbury team's come out. I haven't seen the Waikato team. I, I hope uh, Aaron Cruden is playing. It's been, it's just been great to watch him. Um, he, and and I, I know we sort of cheekily asked him last week when we Put, put the cans on him um, and spoke to him after the game about sticking around for Super Rugby. My understanding is that he's actually going to go and play some rugby in the States and good on him. Um, but boy, he still looks great, mm. especially at this level. So I look, you know, that that to me in, in itself is, is, is worth a look at this game. Um, Canterbury will want to hang on to that second uh, spot uh, because they, they'll they want to be at home, you know, right up until the final um but, you know, there's a couple of other good games as well. I think um, Tasman against uh, Bay of Plenty. That, uh, after Bay of Plenty got given a hell of a fright by Southland last night, an uh, extraordinary game, that one. Another extraordinary midweek game. Um, but uh, Tasman, Bay of Plenty, that virtually becomes a game for a home quarter final. Um, Wellington Hawks Bay, the other one too. Yeah, that's the uh, one I really wanted to zone in on. Sorry? That's really the one I wanted to zone in on, Ranfurly Shield game. The Ranfurly Shield seems to only get talked about a lot when it changes hands, but Wellington took it off Hawke's Bay last year. They'd love to pay him back. Yeah, and, and Wellington have done it proud. I think it, it has inspired them. To, this, is, this is the best season by a Wellington team in a, in, a, in a long time. They're unbeaten with one round to go. They want to hang on to that. They're eyeing the double for the second straight year. And... and you know, without a lot of fanfare in a, in, a, in a way, but they have 
you know, maintained a very, very high standard of play. But Hawks Bay, um, you know, they're, they're safe in the top eight. I don't think they, they can't make it into the top four. So they can just afford to have a real rip at this. So, I mean, this, this, could, be, this could be quite a game. Will we? Um, always need to know what's on your rugby commentary menu this weekend, TJ. Uh, well, it's a bit of a movable feast at the moment because uh, we've had, including myself, um, the last couple of weeks, um, we've had people going down with all sorts of some terrible bugs floating around. So at the moment, I, well, I started off, I was going to be doing one game. <laughs> I'm now up to two and it could well be three. Wow. So I'm doing Auckland. Um, I'm, I'm doing Auckland Northland tomorrow night at Eden Park. Then I'm going down to Hamilton Saturday afternoon for Waikato Canterbury. Wonderful. And I'm on standby for a game on Sunday in case um, someone isn't able to rise themselves from uh, from from their deathbed. Um, so yeah, I, I don't. I, the answer is Staffy. I, I can't quite tell you what what what's in store this weekend. <laughs> It's a bit of a movable feast at the moment. Right, well, if it's too much, TJ, you just tell Marcus Kennedy I'm available. I'm available. I'll rip into uh, it. Well, Ken- Kennedy, I, I'm not sure he's with I think he might be doing a bit of joie de vivre in France at uh, the moment. So you know, Blair's our producer of the MPC, and he's just doing an absolutely fantastic job because, you know, we, we, we've had, had situations where people have, you know, come down ill and mm. so had to bail out at the last minute, and he's got a including me, and, he, you know, he's up, up in all hours of the day and night organising people to go here, there and everywhere. So I think, you know, he, he's just done an amazing job. Mm. And you've got Andrew Mulligan calling rugby, which is, he's got the Southland yeah. Manawa 2 game, which uh, I'm going, yeah. we've got him on very, very shortly, actually, so I can't wait to talk to him about rugby commentary. Yeah, 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 he, he, did, a, he did a game, uh, he, this will be his, his, his second game, and uh, good old Mull's, you know, stepping up like this because he's, he's such a, a fantastic basketball commentator. And he just brings that that personality and what have you. So, yeah, it, it, it's always a challenge, you know, this time of year, and, and particularly in a World Cup year when you got a you got a few away across the other side of the world. So, uh, and a few going down with with the flu. So, you know, good on him. He's, he's, uh, I thought I thought he did a great job. Wonderful, as you always do, week in week out. TJ joining us here on Thursday in the games you call on the weekend. Uh, love our catch ups. We'll do it all again next week. Okay, Steph, see you, mate. There he is, Tony Johnson uh, from Sky Sport. Could have three games this weekend. That, that's, a, that's a long haul because it takes a long time to prep for each game. We will take a break for news. Uh, no, we'll take a break and we'll come back and then we'll have a chat and then we'll have news, then we'll have moles.